Welcome to the Mind Your P's and Q's podcast with Mind Your Manners Mediation. I'm your host, Attorney Abby Godless, chatting with you about important family law topics and giving you tips for navigating Arizona divorce and custody. Let's get chatting. Hello, hello. We are back at it. And today our topic is mistakes you want to avoid in your family law case. I truly do not have a single bit of house cleaning, so we will get straight to the meat and potatoes. The very first mistake you are going to want to avoid is avoidance. What does that actually mean or look like? Well, there are several ways you can avoid doing things that would be a detriment to your case. First and foremost, if you have an attorney, whether you are litigating or represented throughout an alternative process, avoiding communicating with your attorney is going to get you nowhere fast. Not only are you going to hold things up and cause everyone else to spin their wheels when they can't reach you, but if you are litigating and your attorney is trying to reach you regarding something within the court related to the judge, the the true formalities of litigation, and you are avoiding them, you are putting them in quite the pickle and your case in a potential bind because your attorney is going to be trapped going back to the court saying, your honor, I've tried to reach them. I've done X, Y, and Z and to no avail. And you're going to risk that you get fired by your attorney. You are going to risk that the court is going to to sanction you in some way, just don't do it. You are paying your attorney good money, communicate. Next, if you avoid mediation or otherwise fail to consider an alternative to litigation, again, you are delaying things, you are costing everyone more money, you are potentially costing yourself the benefit of the bargain, As we've discussed, everyone really gets to maximize their own deal when you pursue any of the alternatives to litigation. And so if you are litigating, you're spending all this money, and you refuse to go to mediation or consider any alternative, everyone's spending more money because there is no easing the fight. At no point will it be mitigated. And that's going to put you fully on the path to trial where you're, yes, causing detriment to the case as a whole, to your ex and potentially your kids, but you're also shooting yourself in your own foot because, again, if you are outside of court, everybody maximizes what they're going to get. Inside of court, everyone is shrinking what they get. So to the extent that any of these avoidances are stemming from a place of anger and animosity and wanting to, quote unquote, punish your ex, it's not going to work. It's going to backfire and you are going to equally lose out in trying to punish or teach your ex a lesson or whatever of those negative sentiments might be driving your avoidance. Similarly, avoiding compromise. If you have kids and you are having this ongoing relationship that you are a restructured family but still a family, avoiding compromise at these early stages of working through the split 
How is that going to put you on the right path for just more run-of-the-mill, day-to-day compromises that come with successful co-parenting? Avoiding disclosure is also going to be a detriment regardless of whether you litigate or mediate or seek some other alternative. This is partly owing to failing to keep records and documentation in the first instance, but also the just willful refusal to hand over documents and records that are in your possession. By and large, this will relate to financial documents, but it by no means is exclusive to financial documents, particularly if you are in a high conflict case or a case with domestic violence with an actual history of of real violence. In those times, we've spoken on how important it is to get your ducks in a row as best you can to show the court that whether it's more on the high conflict, high animosity side, or truly in the actual violence zone. In either case, sadly, court is not about the truth. It is about what you can prove. And if you don't disclose evidence of the conflict and or violence, how can people who are helping you, again, whether it's those mediators, collaborative attorneys, all those professionals outside of court, or whether it is the judge and the court system as a whole, but how are they going to know how to appropriately address things if they don't know what they're addressing. So definitely make sure you're keeping things in the first place, but it's not a game of hide and seek when it comes to providing those disclosures to your ex. It has to come out. So first, it has to get to the other party. It gets to the court if you are litigating. It gets to your mediator or collaborative team if you are pursuing an alternative. But whichever professionals are involved in these types of cases need to have evidence of the details. I mean, even back to the financial documents, how does anybody know what they're helping you split up? How do they know if the settlement is equitable? They just can't. No one is a mind reader. And the final avoidance that is a huge mistake is avoiding court orders. This goes to both failing to read the court order as well as subsequently failing to follow the court order. It doesn't matter what the court order is about. It could be things relating to child support or spousal maintenance. It could be a temporary order or it could be the permanent order. But the bottom line here is that if you don't follow court orders, several things may happen. Obviously, it's not setting you up on the right foot if these are temporary orders and you're already not following them. How does that bode well for the future and that long-term picture? Similarly, depending what you're not abiding and how long you continue not abiding, because obviously at the first turn that you fail to follow the court order, the court is going to alert you, hey, you tried, but you didn't follow it perfectly. Here's what needs to happen to truly comply. Or you just didn't even try to follow it at all. And in either of those instances, it's going to be a step up because as we've discussed, the court never tries to go all the way to the most severe final options. So From the start, it's going to be that kind of talking to slap on the wrist. But as you continue not following the court order, the court is going to become increasingly more aggravated. And it is going to get to a point where those sanctions get more severe, where you are potentially on the hook for a monetary sanction. 
all sorts of things. And I mean, if it is a permanent order about child support, the truly most extreme sanction, it's going to be monopoly rules. Do not pass go. Do not collect your $200 straight to jail. Now, in this instance, I certainly hesitate to say straight to jail because, as I just mentioned, that is the sanction of last resort because if you are in jail, you are not suddenly going to be paying child support where you weren't before because now you're behind bars. The general point I'm making, as I'm sure you follow, is that failing to read and follow court orders is going to go from bad to worse, potentially quickly, depending how willful and repeated your failures truly go. Moving away from the avoidance umbrella, another mistake you want to avoid is concentrating on who is to blame. This is just going to spin your wheels, allow you to continue stewing in those negative emotions and not start that healing journey. You want to focus on the issues at hand. Also, to the extent you are hiring professionals, if you concentrate on who is to blame and you are delaying things from moving forward because you are just dwelling on this, you're to blame, you're to blame. Because of course, you're normally, if you're concentrating on who to blame, you don't have to be a narcissist to not want to blame yourself. You're going to have all your pent up negativity focused on your ex. Don't waste everybody's time and money. Keep things productive. Similarly, this goes to avoiding personal attacks. Everything I just said when it relates to working through your actual case stands for this point as well, but it goes beyond the main proceeding and also goes to just your day-to-day as this divorce or custody matter is being resolved and finalized. So while you are still working through those emotions and getting to those final agreements, this is the time where you're more likely to accidentally or intentionally spill over and gush things to your children that really are not kid appropriate. So don't just avoid personal attacks in the main divorce or custody proceeding, but don't be chit-chatting with your kids like they're conduits, passing along adult messages, and certainly even if you're just chatting with them about stuff that does relate to them and the back and forth between you and your co-parent with them not stuck in the middle, but like, you know, between the two of you, accidentally or intentionally, do not let any type of bad mouthing slip out. Your kids do not need to be privy to any of the adult issues or animosity. Similarly, stay objective. This one might be a little tough, but if you are paying professionals with the purported goal of actually moving your divorce or custody forward and toward full and final agreement, do not be getting off on a tangent, particularly when it is such an emotionally based tangent where you are focusing on my exes to blame. They are, and you delve right into a lengthy personal attack. Cut the day on point. And finally, seek legal advice when necessary, and then actually consider and take that legal advice. Some of it ultimately may not apply as on point as initially thought, but if you are having difficulty staying objective and focused on the issues, chat with an attorney. Go to the pro and hear it from the source. 
But in the same vein, if you are going to pay and seek this professional's expertise, heed it. That does not mean you have to truly do 100% of the things suggested if it does not actually make sense. But they are going to help you get some of that perspective back. They are not deep into things with that very personal emotional connection. They can give suggestions on these are the key things you want to keep as the true priority. Here's some things you'll want to raise that can help you stay on the issue and not leading to a potential detour for personal attacks and just pure emotion. Moving away from any umbrella mistakes, the final mistakes I'm going to share are all just kind of standalone mistakes. All the same, they are equally important to avoid in your family law case. Ineffective time management, especially when you're paying the pros, you are wasting money. But also the key theme here is you are in your family law case to actually get your divorce, to actually see your custody arrangements in place. If you are just being ineffective with your time, you are never going to see that finish line. You're going to be having all sorts of side quests without ever actually going up against the final boss. Also, lack of control over your emotions. This is not going to help your time management. This is not going to help you stay objectively focused on the issues. To the extent you can, work at reining in your emotions. That's not to say erase your emotions, repress your emotions, forget you have emotions. That's saying be strategic and wise with your emotions. When you are working on your family law case, whether that is in court or through an alternative, you're at the mediation table, you're at the collaborative table, whatever the case, this is the time to be neutral and put your emotions on pause and process things outside that formal setting. Tying into, again, all of these work together, not communicating with your co-parent. It doesn't matter how early in your divorce or custody proceeding it is because as we did already say, not communicating early is not a great sign for what is to come. And of course, the farther you get into things, not communicating is going to derail whatever agreements you've reached and can lead to, again, depending what point of the original divorce or custody, or if we're looking at things being derailed after those orders are in effect, you are jeopardizing the agreements and potentially leading to the reason a modification is requested. Because if you and your co-parent truly cannot communicate, needed decisions can't be made, and your kids get truly stuck in the mud and trapped by the adult's inability to work with one another, which leads us right into not just not communicating, but refusing to cooperate with your spouse or co-parent, especially withholding parenting time for no valid reason or for a reason that you've decided is good enough, but haven't run it by the court yet. And taking it not necessarily one step further, but one step to the side, the inverse of withholding parenting time is you being the one to flake on your own parenting time. 
And in any of these cases, not only is it already setting things up to get derailed and require a modification, but you're hurting your kids to boot. We've discussed how intuitive they are. They know what's going on, not with a perfect adult understanding by any means, but at their respective ages, they get it. They see it. They hear it. They feel it. So you're not just getting yourself into potential trouble with the court, but there are just familial cracks being opened. And either side of the aisle, the formal court coming down on you or causing detriment, if not truly dismantling your relationship with your kids, or again, regardless of which one of you is doing this, one of you potentially harming your kid's relationship with their other parent, just don't do it. It serves no one. And even if you think the reason for withholding the kids is a good enough one, that may or may not be true. None of this is going to accomplish anything. And it, again, running theme, is going to easily go from bad to worse. All this is to say, none of this is going to accomplish anything. And as I've said before, just because they were a poor partner to you does not mean they were a poor parent to the kids. They are the only other parent your kids get. Again, asterisk for step-parent and adoptive parent type situations, but by and large, you get the sentiment. So just don't do it. Communicate and cooperate with your co-parent. Also, we've discussed, don't overshare on social media. You risk sharing the wrong thing and having it used as evidence against you. You also risk that one day, whether now or down the road, that your kids come across it and see you bashing their other parent. And your relationship with your ex is a different relationship from your kids with each of you, with both of their parents. Also, don't lie about your substance abuse. While it's obviously not ideal if you are actively struggling, you are only going to inflame the situation by lying about it. And you're not doing yourself any favors by ignoring it. You're not doing your kids any favor by lying about it. You are risking sanctions. You are risking modifications and losing out on some of your rights during your struggles. Be honest and be prepared to help come up with a plan and to truly stick to that plan. But lying about it ain't it. Kind of what I said before about cut the here. Same thing. Cut the bull. This is real life. People have struggles. What is most important is acknowledging it and working to get yourself the help you need. Also, you want to avoid not including enough detail in your agreements. The level of conflict and animosity will dictate how much detail you will likely want to include. Although I'm someone who's a big believer in better safe than sorry, and so personally, I'm one to always err on the side of a little more detail than not quite enough. But you for sure know if you have moderate to high conflict, you know if there's been actual violence. In those times, you for sure want some detail and kind of only going more detail from there. 
When you make the mistake of not including enough detail, you risk that whether a genuine mistake or a willful plow ahead, but in either instance, you are risking that one of you is unable or unwilling to follow your agreements as intended. Detail makes things clear as to what the agreement is. It makes things clear when something wasn't followed. Depending on truly how much detail is out there, it makes clear what the consequence is for not having followed the agreement. And finally, ignoring your own self-care. Divorce and custody matters are already stressful experiences. Don't add to your woes. Do what you can to mitigate the pain and work to heal. And self-care is going to be part of that. It's going to make sure that you recharge and that you rest up and recharge is needed so that you're ready to be present for your kids, that you are ready for whatever next court hearing or mediation session or collaborative meeting, whatever the next step in the main divorce or custody is, you have done what you can to offset the stress and be ready for the next thing. Be ready to show up for your kids every single day while this stressful thing is still going on in the background. And with that, we have covered the mistakes you want to avoid. We did start by covering the umbrella of things you can avoid in your case that you do not want to be avoiding. We then turn to the umbrella of all things related to concentrating on who is to blame instead of focusing on the issues at hand. We then went through those other individual mistakes that all add up to if you are paying professionals, if you are going through these proceedings with the goal of actually getting your divorce, or custody, if you are working to heal yourself from this breakup and stressful time, these are all the mistakes you want to avoid to set yourself on the least stressful path and on the best path toward full and final and lasting agreements. I look forward to catching you all in the next episode. As always, thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in next time to stay in the know. Any links mentioned and all credits and permissions can be found in the show notes. I'll catch you in our next episode.